the expression from the music inspired me so much to take risks and it inspired damn near the whole rap game. Hello again, I'm Adam Unz. You may know me as the host of The Opus, and now I'm bringing my own show, The Spark Parade, to the Consequence Podcast Network. I speak with artists and creatives about the cultural artifacts that spark their personal interest and creativity, whether it's music, books, movies, video games, or any other kind of art. I've never spoke about it in this amount of detail. I'm suddenly going, oh my God, I'm blowing my own mind here, Christ. It's, it's actually a giant part of my life. By talking about the things we love, we share and discover insights into our personality and the things that drive us. It's just magic, really. I mean, frustrating and it makes some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Robers, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm grateful for those who continue to put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts. Hey pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Back to the show. Consequence Podcast Network. Leo Phillips here with This Must Be The Gig, your little backstage pass to the world of live music. Every single week we bring you fascinating conversations from the beating heart of the performance scene with some of the most exciting names on this gigantic, big, spongy globe. We talk about passion, we talk first concerts, last concerts, and everything in the Juicy Center. This week we're sharing a really special live recording of our conversation with Open Mic Eagle, the latest in our series of events from StubHub's flagship event space in New York City. But before we dig into that really thrilling and hysterical conversation, I think we should check in with our constant companion here at TMBTG Studios. Engineer Adam, I missed you last week. I know. It was sad not to be able to be there in person, but, you know, I'm still on the ones and twos in the editing studio. The ones and twos. I'm really excited to let you know that we got so much good feedback for we did? our quiz last week. We're what did bringing it say? around back. They all wanted what they to. Saying? They were playing along. <laughs> they were all impressed by how well you did. Six oh, out of six. I mean, That's, you know. Hair flip. I'm sad to say, though, nobody tried to top our suggestion of a name of Les Quizarables. Oh, why did no, no, so nobody gave us nobody, suggestion? Nobody took us seriously. Wait, nobody gave us suggestion? Nobody, Better? Nobody, because... nobody took us seriously that we want them to top us. Because... Give us a suggested name for this quiz segment, and you will have it on the show, mm. and we'll give you a shout-out. That sounds like a threat. It is a threat. <laughs> you have to do it. What's wrong with Les Miserables? Les Quizarables. <laughs> What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with it. Great. I just think it could be uh, topped. I mean, that's honest. Thank you. Mm-hmm. But also... 
this might be our first fight. Oh, no. <laughs> I love Les Quizrables. All right. Well, that's it. Les Quizrables. There you go. There it is. So what do you have in store? I feel like you're going to do it again. Is this... it a weekly thing now? Yeah, it is. Oh, shit balls. So this week, okay. the quiz focuses on musician memoirs. Oh, I just read one. Okay. Great. You so probably put that one in. We'll see. Okay. Oh, shit. So they're going to... I'm going to give you the name... Okay. Of a memoir. Oh, God. And you've got to tell me who wrote it. But is it easy enough if I haven't read all of the memoirs and all of the histories? Is I it think easy so. Enough? Okay. I think it should be good. So the first one I know you've read, so it's... Okay. Acid for the Children. Oh, I just read that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Flea. Yeah, there you go. I got to watch that live. Well, no, I didn't get to watch that live. I got to watch Flea on his book tour at Music Box in Chicago, Chicago. a few weeks ago. And the ticket included a signed copy of his book, Amazing. which I was really yeah. thrilled about because yeah. that kind of thing I don't get to often because of where I used to live. Right. You know, people yeah, don't yeah, just yeah. come pop in for a book tour. <laughs> and so I was really excited. I felt kind of VIP, although me go. and 500 other people were VIPs. But then when I got home, I opened the book and it was just a hotel note that he had written on. <laughs> And signed, stuffed into the book. Okay, I got the first one got right. got the first one right. The next one is Kiss and Make Up. Think about it. Kiss, kiss and Make and Up. Kiss and Make Up. Kiss and Make Up? I feel like this... Wait, Kiss, kiss and, and Make Up. Oh, Kiss it's and Make Up. I was going to say Drake. No. Um, um, From Kiss. Yes. He's that man with the really gross snake tongue. Uh, Jean, Jean Simmons. Yeah, that's right. The next one. I'm so good at. No, I'm not good at this. The next one is who I am. Is that a lyric as well? Who I am. Who I am. Pete Townsend. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) The next one is waging heavy peace. This one's a little tougher. It's not as obvious in the title. Waging heavy peace. What year was it written? Mm, what year did it come out? I don't out? have the year What's written What's the down. genre? Uh, folk rock. Raging heavy 70s guy. Well, continues on today, but Okay, known. pass. No, tell me the answer. Neil Young. Oh, fuck. I could have got... Oh. Oh. F- What's a Neil Young reference? Oh, Ford must... No. What? what <laughs> oh, Ford. <laughs> Oh, Ford. No, yeah. what car does he drive? He drives a really know. old car. Have you not seen I didn't, pictures? No, I didn't know that. Oh, I should show you pictures yeah, of that. Yeah, please do. If anybody knows about Neil Young's car, let us can know. call in. Uh, the next one is Just number. Kids. Patty. Yes. I've read that. Wonderful. And our, okay. last, our last one. Wait, which one didn't I get? Because I want to put that on my you list did not, now. You did not Way get the Neil Young one. Sheet. Yeah. Sorry, Neil. There's one last one. This is the sixth and final question. Hunger makes me a modern girl. Ooh. I think you've just looked on my bookshelf. No, I haven't. And seen. So? Carrie. Yeah. I know that one. You knew that one. Yeah. So five Harry for Brownstein, six. Five for five six. For six. Not bad. Really not bad, especially since you you don't tell me when these things are coming up. Lake with <laughs> Robles is a freaking... Runaway train. Who am I? Who, 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 who? Next up, we have our favorite feature here at TMBTG Studios. It is the live show of the week. Who have we chosen this week? 
Each week, we highlight one of the most heart-thumping events we could find out there, and we share it with our listeners so that they can go out and buy some tickets and enjoy the show. It is also one of those moments where we decide on the ones that we can't get to that we wish we could go to. That so sometimes the one, is the case. Know, yeah, absolutely. We, wish we could teleport to but many of these. In this case, we have two shows, the first of which we very much can and, in fact, are going to. Oh, okay. Which one? We've so got a few first, coming up. we're highlighting a series of performances from Wilco oh, at the Chicago Theater here whoa. in the Windy City. That's between the 15th and 19th of December. So on Sunday and Monday, they'll be joined by Robin Hitchcock, the legendary Robin mm-hmm. Hitchcock. And then on Wednesday and Thursday, the 18th and 19th, they'll be joined by one of our absolute favorites, Sharon Van Etten. And I know that Engineer Adam and I will be at the Wednesday night show if you want to not say hello because you probably don't know what we look like. Also, Adam is six foot seven. So <laughs> yeah, in, case if you, you in case you couldn't hear it from my get voice. pissed off from someone a being tall, tall and blocking man, your view. It's Adam. Yeah. Sorry. Even if it doesn't even if you ask him his name and he says George, just know it's Adam. Yeah, I lie. Yeah. I'm a liar. <laughs> but Ooh, of course. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> George, George. Um, But of course, we had to shout out the performance by the one and only Mariah Carey as well. (sighs) It's going to be at Madison. Oh, is that why you shouted it out? Exactly so. Madison Square Garden, Sunday, December 15th. It's the holiday season, so how could we not mention Mariah? I also want to say, I don't know her. Hey, yeah. Uh, If you want to get down the excitement of those shows or any show, you can always head over to StubHub via cosradio.lv slash StubHub. That's cosradio.lv slash StubHub to find the best selection of tickets to all of the hottest shows. That's cosradio.lv slash StubHub. And while we're talking about important things to do while on the internet, let's talk about how you absolutely <laughs> need to go to, to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever <laughs> you listen to podcasts <laughs> and subscribe, rate, and review. Make it five stars. Let us know what you think. Throw it at us. Throw them. Throw the stars. You have so uh, many. If you want your personalized end-of-year album recommendation as well, we're still offering that. All you have to do is leave that five-star review and then email us at thismustbethegig at Mm gmail.com. Tell us what your favorite snack is and what your review was, and we will send you a personalized album recommendation. Also, if you'd like to just say hello and uh, talk about what show you went to, you are more than welcome to. But let us focus on this week's interview, considering it is one of my favorites of all time. It is also our 80th episode. 80 episodes, baby, baby. As I mentioned earlier, we are thrilled to share the latest of live conversations from StubHub's flagship New York office at 39th and Broadway, where we were joined by Open Mike Eagle. Mike and I chat about his most recent LP, The Masterful Brick Body Kids Still Daydream, the meritocracy of hip-hop as well, his first rap battle, seeing Common as a teen, and this is me, an open mic eagle. Enjoy! Hello, hello, hello. Hi. Hi. You're lucky we made it here. The back room is... uh, It's very comfortable. Very cozy. Very comfy. Everyone's so quiet. Yeah, it got real quiet real fast. It's really quiet. Why did it get so quiet? It's very uncomfortable. What's happening? I think they're all having very important conversations at the same time. (laughs) It is an honor to be here at the StubHub flagship event space in Times Square. And... um, 
just, it's really wonderful to have all of you here. He's just been roasting me. No, it's not met. true. He has been roasting me. I only said nonstop. one kind of mean thing. What did he say? Do you want to tell? Do you want to? Do you want to tell our close friends and family? <laughs> I, I don't know anybody. <laughs> You're not gonna say? I don't remember honestly. <sighs> it was. It felt like yesterday at this point. How has your day been? Um, chaotic, but that's fine. Okay, what do you mean that's fine? It's Why is fine because I don't live here, and and New York <laughs> is chaotic. So I think every day I have here is a little chaotic. How do you, when you're touring, how do you get over that chaotic? Like, how do you get back into yourself? Um, I mean, usually when I'm touring, I, I just wait till, you know, stage time. And, and once I press the button on my machine, it makes the first note of one of my songs play. I'm fine. Like, I'm in my element no matter where I am. But, um, sorry, Bless you. Uh Some <laughs> cities are... Uh, more intimidating than others, and this one this is... This is a very intimidating city. Right. I don't know why I suddenly started screaming that, but I think <laughs> I'm feeling it from the inside. Anxiety, yeah. It, it comes with the territory. I was telling Mike that walking here, I was walking fast and didn't forgot how to walk, so started flailing because everyone else was doing it. Um, I don't know how you guys walk around. Is everyone local to New York? Oh, so this is embarrassing. Hence like, the silence. <laughs> like, get with it, fucking rookie. Um, anyway, let me introduce you. Okay. This is always awkward. You make me so nervous. I don't know how, I don't know though. Why? I'm just sitting here existing. I th- <laughs> okay. So. Whoa, um, you do that every time? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Open mic ego. <laughs> You were like, this is going to be great. Oh, and now I'm, you're sitting and you're regretting it all. so much fun. Um, this is Open Mic Eagle. That's me. Can we have a clap? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> They're alive. Um, he has been one of the funniest rappers in the world. He's Chicago-born, LA-based now. And he is a musician slash wrestler <laughs> slash comedian. Um, and I think the most recent album, uh, Brick Body Kids Still Daydream, mm-hmm. I feel like that, that was obviously a look at the projects of Chicago and the proof, you know, of the beauty that can grow out of that and uh, out of trying circumstances. And your EP last year, What Happens When I Try to Relax, which is fucking wonderful. Thank you. Um, it's a pleasure. It's got this kind of brimming anxiety to it about the technological world that I really want to talk about. And you've also hosted podcasts, and you've also now wrestled, which I mentioned earlier, that we can also talk about. Um, So thank you for joining me. Of course. Thanks for having me. So I think the first place I want to start is the wrestling. I don't know why. I only did it one time, so it's not that much to talk about. Well, I saw a video of the Harak... Why are you... Are you... You know which video I'm talking about? The uh, Hurricane 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 Rana. Hurricane Rana. The Hurricane Rana. Who has seen um, him wrestle? Probably none of them. Oh well, he was. Dave was there. It was unbelievable. It was amazing. I don't know how you did it, and I've watched your Patreon um, documentary so far. You haven't released it all. I don't yeah, think. it's like I put out four of the six parts. We have two more left. How did that all come about? Oh, that was a long story. Um, so there's this wrestler guy. Uh, he went by Shiloh Jones, and his gimmick was that he was a terrible rapper, and he was actually a terrible, terrible rapper. rapper. So what he would do before all of his matches is he would come out um, 
in this small building in Louisville, Kentucky that he wrestled in every week. And he would, uh, he'd be dressed like somebody trying to make fun of Vanilla Ice. Um, and he would say a terrible rap. And he'd had his two buddies behind him hyping it up and it'd be really bad. And he'd be talking about how he was the best rapper. And then to try to get attention for his character, he started having people shoot video of him doing these things before matches. And he started calling out real rappers and then tagging them in the video on Twitter, hoping that one of them would respond. And I was one bored enough. <laughs> I had nothing going on. Uh, Cameron. Oh, wow. uh, Vince Staples, I think. (laughs) Kendrick. I ain't got nothing to do, though. So. Did you see it or did somebody from your team see it? See, that's the thing. I don't have nothing going on. So every time somebody tags me on Twitter, I look at it. Wait, why don't you have anything going on? I don't understand. Well, okay, I have some things going on, but not not enough going on where I'm I'm ignoring the things that people say to me directly into my telephone on Twitter. (laughs) So you answered him, mm-hmm. and then it all just Yeah, I told him point. it was trashed in a very aggressive manner. Because um, uh, I was offended to be tagged in his rap trash. I think that's offensive. Yeah. I totally agree with you. So it started this thing where we kind of just started going back and forth. And he, he kept rapping at me on Twitter. Like, he would, like, with his keyboard, he would, he would type raps at me. And I would quote tweet them and again tell them how bad that they were. Were they um, really bad or were they you just horrible. <laughs> horrible. Just like and then he he made this video directed at me where he was like walking through the supermarket and like tossing things in his basket while looking at the camera and, and like he called me like uh slimy uncooked chicken or something at some point. Like that was one of his Wait, what? his big punchline. I think it's pretty good. Slime do you <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm not a rapper. Okay. Yeah, okay. no, I don't know. I guess no, it, it takes all kinds. <laughs> so then, how does the world of wrestling intersect with music and comedy? How how is it like a Venn diagram or more like a Ma- that Maslow hierarchy of needs? <laughs> like, how think, does it in your life? I think I mean world? in my life, yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely a Venn diagram. I've been a, a wrestling fan since I was a little kid. You have absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. I love it. The spectacle. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a lot like rap in some ways where like, you know, you take who you are, you turn up the volume on it, you play a character that's a little bit of an exaggerated version of yourself. Right. And right. people either connect to it or they don't, you know. So that's theatrics yes. almost. But when you're rapping, do you feel like you have that persona or is it just it's an extension of you? It's an extension of me, but yeah. certainly I'm going to say things on records that I'm not going to say in real life. Like I have more license to like say things in different ways to like be more emotional, mm. be more angry, be more sarcastic than than it would make sense for me to do in regular life. Why do you feel like you can be that way when you're with your music and not in regular life? Is it because there's no like call and answer? There's no like imme- immediacy almost. Well, it's just because it's a performance at the okay. end of the day, you know? And and the thing about rap is implied in the performance is that who this person saying these things is me. That's the that's like the the lie we all agree on on the way in. You know, it's not like watching a movie where like if you put on a rap album, you typically don't think of that person as an actor. You know what I mean? You think of them as a right. person saying how they really feel and think about things. But there is that extra added space for performance where you get to play things up or play things down. Um, and I think in that sense, it's it is a lot like wrestling. You know what I mean? We're, we're just in terms of the personas. 
So was that always natural for you then? So after watching wrestling and then seeing other people rapping around you, was that natural for you then to embody when you were younger, to go di you know, naturally into rap? Um, I think rap was just, a, it's just been the musical language of my entire life. Like just the time space that I was born in, the rap was happening everywhere all around me. I feel like if I was born in a different time, I'd, mm. be, have, I'd have some different um, way I engage with music. But because of me growing up in the 80s, in the South Side, there's just, just rap was everywhere. It's part of the fabric of the culture around me. Mm. And so in some ways, I was always a part of it. It was just a decision of me to actually start doing it. Why did you start doing it? Um, Is that a weird question? No, it's not weird, because uh, I didn't do it my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a decision I made one day, and um, it was partly because of this book I read called Bomb the Suburbs. Okay. Hey, Can got a Bomb the Suburbs louder? fan. You have a louder? Uh, Clap. Yeah, thank, <laughs> you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This guy's the yeah, straw that stirs the drink right here. <laughs> That's Elia. He's got an amazing podcast, Tourcast podcast. Okay. Oh, sorry. I was getting too casual. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> His <laughs> um, yes. So book called the, the Suburbs um, was written by a guy named Upski was his graffiti name. William Wimsat is his legal name. Uh, and he was, uh, he is a guy who came up in hip hop on the south side of Chicago, but on the participant side of like the creative arts of hip hop. So he kind of wrote this book. It almost came off like a manual, like how you engage with hip hop. And yeah. so one of the things he says early and often in this book is that you can't just like call yourself hip hop. Like it's not a costume. Um, if you're gonna call yourself hip hop, you have to be doing these things. So he challenges you as the reader to like, okay, if you're hip hop, you have to break yeah, break dance, do graffiti, rap, or DJ. Like right. you, you have You've to. You've got to like, engage. Yeah, yes. it's not like a spectator thing. Like, yes. you have to be part of it. And I knew where people rapped on the South Side. Like people met specifically to rap and to break and to pass around graffiti books uh, and to practice DJing. And um, reading that book and seeing that happening, uh, it it encouraged me to do it. Mm. You know, and I was trash at first, like everybody is. But, you know, you practice. And that's part of it, too. It's like one of the last real meritocracies that exist. Like, you can get good. And when you get good, people respond to it. And that was one of the things that was really rewarding for me about doing it. Mm. You know? So that going through that process. So when you practice, did you do it with everyone around you? Or oh, did you man. Do no, it? we went, me and my buddies, we started <laughs> rapping together. We went secret. We went hid. The first time we rapped, it was in the back of a Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> Um, on, a, on a Tuesday afternoon. There was nobody in there. We went in the back to this empty table. We looked around to make sure nobody could see us or hear us. And we started beating on the table and rapping poorly. It was very bad. Why did you choose that restaurant? Because it was empty mostly. We could hide. We could hide. It was great. And we were bad for a while. Because I feel like the singer-songwriter trope is like very lone. It's, you're alone, you're in your room, you've got your brush in your hand. and it, Like rapping is so, it's like boots on the ground. You say what you mean, even if it doesn't come out right. But you have that camaraderie around you. That, so that did is, you feel that? From the that is the environment we were practicing for. Right, so me, okay. But me and my buddies, we were all starting together, and we didn't want to be awful in front of everybody. Yes. So we would practice um, in secret. 
we would get on the phone and do three-way because it was old school where you could just call people on three-way. landline. Your landline. Give it up for the landline. Yeah, we were all connected. <laughs> we were all on phones connected to walls. <laughs> and and we would call, dial people in and we would all just rap. We would just take turns rapping. Again, very badly. Uh, but we were getting ready to rap in front of people. What did you love about those beginning stages, that discovery that discovery ad, like adventure. I think it, it was just exciting to just start and figure it out, to go from not knowing how to do this very, this thing that we admired a lot, to like slowly figuring out and slowly like getting better, you know, like, like kind of charting these stages of mm -hmm. like, oh, now I know if I just think of rhyming words all the time, like I, I started keeping this notebook, which is like, I would think of a word and just think of a bunch of words that Ryan wouldn't just write them all down. Yeah. Right? And and so then that became something that I could catalog in my mind and always go back to. Like, I would have this kind of trove of words to choose from. Um, you know, and there's different little technical things that you that you start to realize, too, as you get better. But Like um, what? Like... Uh, like like a like a crutch. So we're talking about freestyle rapping, yes. right? So we're talking about because I didn't when I started rapping, it wasn't to write songs. It was literally to go into the cipher, which is people standing in a circle, mm -hmm. and have the confidence to get in the middle of that circle and say, "Now nah, it's my turn. I'm mm -hmm. gonna start rapping." I'm here, yeah. And there's like somebody beatboxing or something to keep the beat, and everybody's going for it. And if you're terrible, you will be shut down quickly. And you there's battles. Like there's all it's like a it's a it's a very volatile environment. Um, but we started rapping to prepare to do it that way. Um, so, like, we realized early on that part of what we would do mentally to try to get to the next bar, because we'd think of a bar, and you try to give yourself time to think of the next thing, mm. you'd develop something called a crutch. Yes. Right? So, like, your crutch might be, when I come through, you know what I yes. mean? Um, so the things we're here at StubHub. <laughs> when I come through, I rap in the tub tub. You know what I mean? Like, but you would you would say that to give yourself the time, you know. But everybody kind of had a different one, you know, because there's no manual. People are just trying to fucking figure it out. But aren't those crutches so wonderful? Because you created them. It's not like you went and was sitting in a school writing these things down. Right. They came from you. So they are crutches, but they're also akin to if a writer is writing and using words that jump out on a page. Right, but it's know? if they wrote the same word in every <laughs> sentence. Every <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so how did you get over that um, n not looking at those crutches in a way that hold you back? Well, you have to... Realize you're doing that, which we would do for each other. We'd point out and be like, hey, you're leaning on <laughs> that one thing. And once you realize you're doing it, then you can start trying to counteract it. You can start trying to think of something a little faster. You could even leave silence there and try to figure something out. You can say the thing that you're going to rhyme with earlier. You know, It doesn't have to necessarily be on the metronome. Like, you just find different ways to, to, uh, to work around not knowing exactly what to say on time. Was it thrilling when you started figuring more and more of yourself in that context? Because as we grow, you know, those are like formative years when we're in high school, when we're younger. So as you're growing older and you're figuring out not only what you're good at, but also who you are. Absolutely. I think that's a really magical, like, it's, it's a tiny, like, space and time. Um, True. How, how was that? It was great. And, and it's going back to what I was saying about it being a meritocracy, like... 
you know, you can be in high school kind of just drowning and figuring out how to be like a social human being. And there's all yes. these factors that you can't control that lean into that. Like, you know, there's high school politics. There's like whether or not you have money or don't. Like all these things that you can't really control. But you can control how good you are at something. And this, yeah. these hip hop arts came with this social component where like, if you were good at the thing, you were respected, like no questions asked. Like regardless if, if your socks and your shoes were bad, you know what I mean? Or if you, you had holes so in your pants. it kind of overtook like, whatever exactly. external. But then did you So did you then start believing in yourself more and Absolutely. having that physicality? Because you would get the reward you were looking for from the world at you being good at the thing. Yes. Yeah. Who was the first rapper then that you ever saw live? Or first a at, a, show. at a show? Yeah. The first concert well, I went to... Show. It doesn't have to be. Um, well, I think that probably would be the same answer, though. Well, because I used to see people rap in ciphers, but for the most part, they weren't people who had music. They weren't, like, artists. They right. were rappers. Like, we were, you know, we were the same guys that would go do graffiti on a bus. We'd be rapping. Like, it wasn't like people that had careers. Um, the first rapper with a music career that I saw was Common Sense when he was still common sense. Yes. Um, it was him uh, in Chicago. It had to be in like 96. Uh, was Most Def was opening for him. Quali was opening for him. Uh, All Natural, which is this local group from Chicago, was opening up for him. And this group, Mood, that was from Cincinnati, I believe. It was fucking incredible show. I can imagine. Awesomest thing happened at that show. Uh, most Def was late for his set. Oh, uh, uh, we were all very fucking disappointed at Most Def being late for his set, but how late? Uh, he basically missed his set. Oh, okay. But <laughs> so, okay. But he came out right before Common Sense, uh, with a bag, with a McDonald's bag and a cup, and he just freestyled for like five minutes about how he was late because he had to eat, <laughs> and it was the fucking awesomest thing any of us had ever saw. I can imagine. Yeah. There's so much humanness in that yeah. as well. Yeah, we'll say, oh, we get it. Cause, but you also don't feel like a human when you're watching these idols. Mm -hmm. it, that's why live music is so fascinating because you get put into this weird, you put yourself into this weird box. Mm. And then when somebody comes on and shows you that inside fleshy rawness. Yeah, they let the veil down. They exactly. do something unexpected that's live in the moment that's just for the people who are there. Yes. Like, nobody who wasn't in that room, like, there wasn't an internet then, so nobody would ever hear about that moment. Again. It was just for us. Yes. Yeah. So after that, did you know that that was something that you wanted to do? Was that the, was that just an add-on extra thing that made you want to pursue it, or? It made me want to go harder in what I was already doing, which was rapping and breakdancing and all of that. I still did not want to like do songs yet. That just wasn't the hip hop that I was engaged in. Like I, I consumed all of that music, but I still felt like the career in music and hip hop was like far away. It was like some other people did, you know? Um, and That's interesting. as people like Most Def and Quali, as we started hearing their music, we feel like, oh, like these are people who are like us who, yes. who are here in New York. Well, we're in Chicago and we're hearing them and we can tell by the way they're rapping, like, oh, they probably rap like we do. And they're making songs and it's kind of, oh, this is different now. Like, oh, maybe there is something. But we weren't writing raps. We never did that. We only freestyled. So it was a long time before I ever wrote a song. So that was in 96. Mm -hmm. What did you 
because also there's the whole performative aspect of it as well. So how did you get comfortable in that realm? What do you, do you remember your first ever performance? Well, I would count these. You know, we would get in ciphers, and ciphers would quickly turn into battles, and battles were all about performance. Uh, so you're not performing a song, but you are like doing things with physicality to give emphasis to these lyrics because you're trying to stop another person from rapping. You want you're trying yes. to be so good at it that they just they feel like overwhelmed. That's very, really fascinating. Because yeah, I also think that that's only, it isn't a, a thing that is in a lot of other genres, that you, are, you have to almost bring your body to a place yes. that stops the other person. Yeah, I mean, you know? as short, of, short of physicality, absolutely. That's why a lot of yeah. battles end up turning into fights, because physically that energy is like already there. Yes. You know? So when you performed, do you remember that time? When you do you remember where it was? Um, in the, the same place where we used to meet to um, to practice freestyling is where the battles would pop off. And one time it was like an organized battle, where like it was like a sixteen-person tournament, and you know you rap against this person. If you win, you go on to the next. Okay. If you win, you go on it's to like the next. Like a gauntlet. Right. And gauntlet so rap, yes. that was like the first battle that I won was in that place, okay. and like. I mean, I'll always remember that just for like the giant boon and self-esteem that came from that. Yes. You know. Do you need that? Absolutely. Every okay. day. <laughs> I wish yeah. there was a battle I could get in right now. I mean, that's what <laughs> I've arranged everyone. Oh, good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Pause the podcast. Pause the podcast. It's that time of year to start thinking about making a list and checking it twice. A list of live event tickets, that is. And whether it's a sold-out basketball game or your favorite band stadium tour, there's no better way to celebrate the season than grabbing tickets on StubHub for you and your family and your friends. Need gifts for your sister who loves metal, your coworker who's a hockey mega fan, and your Broadway-addicted dad? StubHub is your one-stop shop for gifts that will thrill everyone on your list. Better yet, grab an extra ticket for yourself and share some quality time with friends and loved ones over the holidays. StubHub allows you to get more live than anywhere else. With the widest range of events and over 10 million tickets worldwide, StubHub also has the best selection of tickets. Sometimes you want front row, sometimes you want balcony. Mm. Whatever the case, StubHub will help you find what you're looking for. So, head to StubHub.com, S-T-U-B-H-U-B.com, or their user-friendly app today to find the best selection of tickets to any event. StubHub. Be there. So, talking about landlines, but technology and unplugging, um, there's a lot that happens on what happens when I try to relax. Mm -hmm. You talk about ghosting and this overbearing abundance of things and stimulus around you. Is there a world where you see yourself unplugging at some... Like, how affected are you? I do not want to ask the question of what is your relationship to the internet and mm -hmm. technology, but I kind of am quite fascinated considering it is so important for an artist like you. I don't... Um I don't usually think of unplugging completely because um, I am a technology addict in a lot of ways okay. um, and I get anxious. Like when I'm on like a, a, a flight to the UK and it doesn't have Wi-Fi, I feel like sick. Like, Seriously, I feel like, disconnected. I feel like when I land, the entire world's going to be different and I'm not going to shit about it. Like How some, do you go to sleep every night? Well, I mean, just you know, it's hard to sleep on those flights, but I take edibles, yes. so I'm usually okay. fine. Yeah. 
Oh, there's there's an organic clap. God, I thought you guys fell asleep. I mean, come on, yeah. No, but I do, uh, I do. That definitely resonates. But then, how do you make sure that you aren't anxious when you are totally plugged in? Uh, I just try to be extra aware of what content, uh, like which pieces of content affect me in what ways. You know, like like. My relationship with Instagram, for instance. Yes, how's that? It's just mostly negative. <laughs> it's just mostly like my, my relationship with it is negative. Like, I don't necessarily want to see what people are doing when I'm not where they are. Like, I just kind of like, there's something about that that kind of bothers me. Like, I don't, because before I looked at the photos, I didn't care. <laughs> and that was like a lot more comfortable of a space for me to be yeah. in. Uh, so I start scrolling. I'm like, why am I not at that thing? Well, I didn't want to be at the thing. So, you know, so I, I end up having to take breaks from specific platforms. Like, That's you know, smart. sometimes Instagram is a little too much. Sometimes Twitter is just like a little too negative or, yes. you know. Um, so I kind of just bounce around and I'll just go hide on Tumblr sometimes or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, there's, there's just different ways to engage with uh, you know, all the humans on the internet. So I try to be aware of that too. When you're doing concept albums like that, well, not concept, but have a through line idea for your albums, just like Brick Body Kids still daydream, do you need to get into that idea of it before it happens, before you start writing? Or does it just manifest as you are, you know, creating the record? Well, what tends to happen with me when I'm writing, uh, you know, whether, whether, what I'm making is a full concept album or not, there's usually some like thesis statement. There's some thing I'm trying to say. And a lot of times when I'm in the middle of making an album, like I don't realize exactly what that thing is till I'm halfway through. Really? And I start to see like, oh, I keep mentioning a thing. Yeah. Like I'm circling <laughs> yes. something. And then once, once I'm able to like fully form what that sentence is, that's usually how I'm able to kind of like round things out and go from there. But it's, it is, it's like a combination of like, right. There are certain things I want to say, and there are certain things that are just coming out. I'm trying to figure out like what the link between all of that mm. is. Do you feel like, because obviously uh, I'd love to talk to you about the uh, roster of rappers that you had collaborated with on your show with Baron Vaughn. How did you connect with him? How, how did that all come about? Because I also think that's fascinating at because it links to obviously your process. And like in, it, when you're trying to bring it to TV... You can't really go, oh, well, it's half, I'm halfway through and now I figured out what it is. So how did you approach that side? I mean, that was a completely different approach because that's because I know I'm writing rap songs for a comedy central, you know, television show. So I, I'm, whereas in my albums or my projects, sometimes uh, things are outright said to be humorous and sometimes that stuff just kind of comes up and you know a song can feel a few different ways when it came to that I'm like I know I need to go like comedy first so it did yes. just it changed the direction um you know or at least like I adjusted the lever so that like definitely go harder with the comedy like make sure every line or try to make sure every line is, is was that affected by the people you were working with, or was that just really something that felt comfortable for you at the time? Uh, it felt comfortable for me at the time, and but even with that, though, like there's still um, a couple songs on there that aren't laugh out loud funny yes. because 
every episode we dealt with a topic and it wasn't always easy to find the funny uh, in, in some of those. Uh, like we have an episode about like, you know, like black people's relationship with the police and there wasn't a lot of jokes to, no, to be really found. Real. Right. Um, right. So, right. you know, we, we, we did our best to try to come, come funny first, but it wasn't always easy. But you did such a good job like with the Danny Brown, but that was, it was not only so well written, but also really well shot and everything around it was so brilliant. I don't know if you want to describe, can you explain yeah, a little okay. bit about so that, it? So that song's called Unfiltered. Uh, you guys familiar with Danny Brown? Anybody familiar with Danny Brown? Okay. Um, so Danny Brown uh, is, is a personality who's a lot you know, bigger than mine. And the way that we thought we collaborate for the show is we set up uh, this scenario where like I'm uh, an office worker and a button up and a bad afro. And, and there's just all sorts of things happening in the office around me that are annoying or frustrating. And I'm not the type of person who is going to speak up and confront people about them. So this thing happens, that thing happens, this thing happens. And I get worked up. And then uh, Danny Brown's head pops out of my neck. And then he takes over my body as my id. And then he starts rapping what I want to say at these people in the office. I really wish, I wish like suddenly I just had a screen come down and allowed you all to watch it. It's in it. your phone though, it's, it's in there. Your phone. It's already there. Do not watch Go it. Go to right youtube.com. Uh, it is there. It's, it's great. And it also, I think it kind of takes both angles that you were talking about. So it takes the side of you really want to make a comment about society and yourself, mm -hmm. but do it in a really tasteful way that can, if people want to laugh at it and never think about it again, they can. But then it's also, you know, blurred the line between maybe it can make a little bit of a statement right. as well. Yeah, everything we did at its core is making some sort of statement. But like I was saying, we definitely tried to approach it in a way that was more humorous. Is that just for the TV show or do you do that with your just music? Just for the TV show. Like, I don't, I don't want to be funny on purpose in my albums like as an edict. Like if something... It occurs to me to be said in a funny way. I love having the license to go for it that way, but also I I like to say dark shit, and I like to you know have music that has a range of of, uh, of feelings in it. So um, in my stuff, it tends to run the whole gamut. So talking about comedy, do you have a comedian that you look up to, and or someone who you just found so inspiring, someone that really just embodied everything that you saw? you know, maybe commented on the world in a way that you wanted to? I mean, it'd be a combination of people. I think Dick Gregory was really big for me because he was a person who was trying to um, say a lot about society, but also be like hysterically funny in how he did it. Um, and, and it wasn't ever my, my aim to be specifically funny, but I always wanted to be entertaining. Uh, and he found a great way to do that. Uh, somebody like George Carlin, same thing, like, really thought-provoking, like really coming from a place of like observing the human condition and having some very serious things to say, but wanting to put it in front of you in a way that like could make you laugh and kind of disarm you. Why do comedians always want to be musicians and musicians always want to be comedians? Well, comics just think... Well, I mean, was that your experience? I don't know. My experience is that comedians think music is cooler than comedy, so they always want to be around <laughs> musicians. Always be around they always yeah. want musicians to be part of their... This show and then um, musicians always want to have entertaining things to say between the songs because they say <laughs> the same shit over and over again every night. The banter. Yes, the banter. The banter. So the banter, uh, we, we look to comedians to be inspired to have better banter. So what are the different value systems of rap? So like obviously I've seen like punchline rap, 
used as a pejorative, but like how, as opposed to other styles, how does that fit in? Where do you fit into that? Yeah, I started out as a punchline rapper. When you're freestyling, the way I was freestyling in Chicago, it was all about coming up with the punchline that was gonna make people laugh or make people react, you know? So that's always gonna be a part of my writing because I realized the, uh, the value of that early on. So was that your way into comedy? I think you that's, like that, if that we way? talk about the Venn diagram, I think yeah. that's the, that is the connective tissue is that, you know, if I look at how a comedian sees the world and I look at how I see the world, I think that's the connective tissue. We're both looking for the punchline, you know? How did you create that kind of cadence and that wordplay? How did you... I was borrowing it um, from the people who I was watching rap. Like, the whole style of freestyling at that point was like, I know what I want to say, so let me think of the line to set it up so I can yes. deliver my punchline and hope it hits. To talk about your relationship with your community and, the, and your fans and then your relationship with, obviously, technology. But so your Patreon, I feel, as a member... What do you call Patreon-y? Uh, sure. Is that what I That am? works. I, um, I feel like it's such a beautiful community of kind of insiders. And you've got live videos and demos and uh, secret podcasts that we can talk about if you'd like to make it not so secret. Um, was that... Did you ever see that sort of community as a part of the future of music? Do you see that as the way that you envision everything going? I do think that there's, you know, more and more we're going to get to a space where uh, if you're an independent musician, uh, you're going to be looking for different ways to engage with your fans and different ways to, like, uh, create revenue streams because, you know, more and more going forward, the industry... Um, is not going to a revenue model that scales well to independence. You know, when you still sold $10 a unit, you know, that scaled well. So if you sold 1 million or if you sold 10,000, if you were getting that whole $10, it was a good year, you know? <laughs> yes. uh, but now with, with streaming and, and how everything is kind of like these microtransactions and, you know, these pennies that are split up per stream, that doesn't scale well to the independent artists as it does for, for the big ones. So I think, yeah. you know, more and more independent artists are going to have to find ways to, you know, eat. And Other if they've built just, a fan base that will, yeah. that will engage with them that way, then it's, it's, it's valuable, I think, to offer those, those sorts of opportunities. But yours has kind of been, it's felt so natural. It's felt like something that everyone should have been doing from the start. Because even seeing, I don't know if everybody's seen those Spotify like 2019 yeah. thingies that kind of show you who you are, but it's a bot. Um, <laughs> uh, go buy music, uh, you know, buy music. Um, how do you feel about that? Considering how you do have a patron, how you are aware that the, that things are filtered in a very scattered way, how do you feel? I mean, it's, you know, it, it's good to have that feedback. Like, that's part of the trade-off. You know, with the technology, with the fact that music is accessible to everybody as consumers and you're paying $10 a month to a Spotify and Apple Music or whatever, like, you trade that revenue, but you get back this feedback. You get back this, this data, like... You couldn't, as an individual artist, have that type of information before. Are you, you know? talking about Patreon or are you talking about Spotify? I'm talking about Spotify. Okay. I'm talking about, you know, like these, these year-end kind of reports that let people know how many 
hundreds or thousands of hours. <laughs> they listen to you. It's, yeah. it's weird as shit, did you but do it's it? good information. Did you do it? Uh, did I do it? Did you do the wrap up? Oh, yeah, for sure. Who, who was your I've, uh, my artist of the decade and the year with They Might Be Giants. Really? Yes. I had John on the podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. Which John? Linnell, Linnell. or? Oh, yeah. damn. That's awesome. That's but, great. Wow. Yeah, I'm not uh, even remotely surprised. Yeah, decade <laughs> and, and, and year. Those, those, are, those are my guys. It was them and MF Doom and Tribe Called Quest and Wu-Tang and everybody else you would guess. So how do you then make sure that independent artists aren't standing on this pedestal? I obviously am, I do want to tread lightly here because I don't think that every independent artist has to be this representative either for the, you know, the voice of the yeah, movement. Yeah, I mean, we just all have our perspective, so you know, I don't yes. mind sharing mine. Great. Yeah. Thank you. So how do you then foresee everything going from this point what do you want other artists to do in order to make sure that they're not going crazy touring the world you know or, or trying to sell merch and giving a bit of the money away to the venue or you know how do you make sure that people are being as honest because not everyone can have a patron sure you know? yeah, yeah you are you are you are deservedly you have this amazing fan base for a reason yeah and I, and you know the reason it kind of works for me is because i have dabbled in different things like i have i have a, some some you know things i've done in comedy or in wrestling or whatever like i have different types of content like not everything i do is made to be streamed on spotify you know what i mean so that right. makes it where oh i can have a home for other stuff you know, podcasts or whatever. Um, and I think that, you know, if you look at Danny Brown, if you look at Killer Mike, like if, you know, if you, if you look at what independent artists are doing right now, they're finding ways to, um, you know, to differentiate, mm. you know, to find, find out how to engage the other parts of their personality that maybe you don't just get from the music. Like a lot of times these are just fucking interesting people and the more ways they can put that on display, is more possibility for them to make more headway in the pop culture and have more different like different kinds of products and not just what you can put, upload to Spotify or Apple Music. Isn't there a lot of pressure with that then? Because what if somebody just wants to perform? Is that not a possibility anymore? Um, if, you know, I think it is a possibility. I just I think that it's going to be more and more difficult right. to do that without the backing of a giant corporation. Yeah. I think it's just going to be harder and harder to do. Not impossible, and you certainly can. Um, I just think it, it's, it's difficult. I've seen it where some people are choosing to treat their products uh, with more value. So they're not right. putting it on Spotify. They're not putting right. it on Apple. Like they're saying, you have to come get it for me and you have to spend a hundred dollars. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because Take that's it from my cold dead hands. Yeah. yeah and cause yeah. that's, that's their way of engaging the market. The, the market's not really respecting them. So they're, no. they're trying to find different ways to do it, which I think is, is another avenue. This is not the avenue that I prefer. So you don't feel overwhelmed that you're having to do all these things. It's actually something that's tapping into all your different skill sets. The thing about me is that when I got into music, the money was gone already. Like, by the time I sat at the table, there was no more food at the table. So, like, I'm happy that there's finally other shit you can do. Because I was just it's making so music. It. And it was like, it's, this is cool, but y'all used to make lots of money doing this. And, you know, it's not like yes. that no more. So I'm happy that there's other things that I can now do to... Uh, be creative and try to make a fucking living from it. Yeah, talk to me a little bit about the podcast that you you were you were doing a wrestling podcast. Yeah, that. But now is there a new one coming out? Yeah, I have a I have a I have some some big podcast plans for next year, and I can't necessarily like announce them all yet. But 
You can um, tell us a little bit. Well, one of them is going to be one like this, oh. where I, I talk to interesting people. One is people. actually going to be us together. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, you heard it I here <laughs> first. But yeah, I mean, I'm going to be interviewing people. I won't have the, this uh, beautiful studio audience to entertain. <laughs> what is it? What is the theme? Well, um, what is the thesis? I'm not sure it is one in that one. It's actually, it's it's me bringing back this podcast I used to do called Secret Skin. Mm -hmm. I've had Hannibal Burris on, Mark Marin on, um, you know, and it's just people who I come across or I have a relationship with that I find interesting, and it's me just interviewing them on the shit that I think is interesting about them. Have you started it yet, or is it just launching? I it, I, I'm going to be relaunching it next okay. year, along with a couple other things. Okay, so when, we'll, we'll, we'll just find out. You have to uh, know me already on on Twitter, probably, yes. and then I will I'll let you know uh, when things are ready. Wonderful. When is this coming out? Yeah, yeah see. So what's the point? Like I don't know. You're actually my 80th episode. 80. Which I feel like. Damn. Thank you. Octogenarian podcast. I feel like an old lady with the Zimmer frame. Like it's my 80th party. But um. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't know who You're that gonna was. You're going to make a great old lady. I don't know who that was. I want to circle back around before we get to the crowd questions. Are we doing for time? Very good. In terms of the wrestling thing, so that documentary was directed by... Lance well, Banks. Yes. Yeah. So if anyone doesn't know who that is... Oh, man. Uh, he's a legend uh, with music video directing... Uh, you know, TV stuff. He, you know, he did Jackass. Like, uh, man, he's his his list of credentials is a damn mile long. Man, he's been in in and around TV, film, music videos forever. So, what was your fascination with wrestling to begin with? Uh, like I said, you know, the, the over the top personality is a big thing, and I think yeah. just the the way that they um, the way that they execute theater with without a safety net in front of people and shit either goes well or it don't. Um, I just always been really fascinated by it. Did you have a favorite wrestler? I have like seven or eight. Well, I mean, wrestlers. list them all. Okay, uh, Macho Man Randy to... Savage, uh, Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, ah. The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Ric Flair, Bret Hart. You know, I surprised. Bret Hart was really good. I was really into wrestling when I was younger. Okay. The Super Slam came to because of my brother. Mm -hmm. They came to South Africa in '96, and Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestled Yokozuma and um, pooped in his pants. A what? I, I was, I was following you until that last part. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to tell this story, and then it came out. Okay. That, I guess that came out. Yeah, okay. literally. Anyway, um, I was, I was going to do a thing. Where I didn't, do I go now? Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so, Brett the Hitman, was that his name? That was him. Um, Did he poop too? <laughs> oh, okay, just checking. Is that a thing? I wanted to maybe ask, is that a thing that wrestlers do? They definitely poop. Did you? They usually poop? just don't do it in front of people. Did you poop? No, I, I mean, I pooped that day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, not no. I, that would have been a terrible documentary if that, terrible. If that happened. Well, there were lots that. of cameras. That would have been bad. I haven't seen that. It, so I oh, don't know yeah. what happens. No, that's not what happened. Um, real shit show. There was... Um, that's, all, that's great. That's all I've got. I'm sorry. <laughs> Should we do some fan questions? Let's do it. Okay. So, I also... Just a precursor to this is that your fans are the most... Uh, 
fucking great bunch of people. I had pages of questions coming That's in. That's too many. No, but I don't... Either you are communicating with these people all the time that they want to know more, because they were really detailed questions. Some okay. of them really funny. But let me ask the first one. All right. Oh, this is a very easy one. When is the next album coming? Um, when it's done. And when it's done plus... Plus however long it takes for fucking vinyl to manufacture. So when it's done, plus three to five months. Have you recorded? Thank you. Have you recorded? Uh, I'm in the middle of working on it now. That's really good news. Yeah. Can you tell us anything about it? Not at all. What is I thought this was going to be scoop, scoops no. time. <laughs> no? No scoops here. Okay, so just new music and that's yes, all. And there's a vinyl. Absolutely. Very, okay. Um, sorry to react. He <laughs> asked the question. Um, so I like this one from a fan of yours called Giovanni. Okay. How do I cope with an existential crisis? How do I find meaning to the things that I do? The fuck is he asking me for? <laughs> is Giovanni here? Giovanni what? Here? Um, that sounds like he needs to read many books <laughs> that I did not write. I kind of loved it because... He felt comfortable enough to ask it and okay. then also maybe hope that I was stupid enough to do it for him. Um, I promised you that wasn't one of mine. But oh, no, I, do, I believe you. I do like it because that is a, the, the term crisis is kind of a big deal for people right now. Mm. So when, maybe let's phrase it, how do you find meanings in the things that you do? I just think everything uh, has meaning, and I don't mind if the meaning is small. I still think it can be important. Like, one of my favorite songs I ever wrote is literally about me washing the dishes because I find a lot of meaning in that. And I don't mind if other people don't see it. If I do, then I'll honor that. That's a really good answer. But it's also unusual, right? Because people always find meaning in things that are... They want things, like, greater than just casual, normal things like doing the dishes. But that's really, it's almost quite romantic. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is from Professor Turtle. Do you? Well, okay. I, well, we've met Professor Turtle. Yeah. You have? Yeah, we met Professor Turtle. But he Turtle. did say Prof Turtle, so I've done him a disservice by trying to say his full name. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he, he'll, he'll love any mention. Of him, so he regardless asked, of whether or not it's all well, the syllables. Well, he asked great questions. He asked two questions. Is there a single book and or film that you wish everyone would be impacted by? Book and or you said, what film. Was, or film. Um, film. Ooh, single one. Um, I know you mentioned a book earlier, but if there's another one that... I would, a film. I Am Not Your Negro. Um, I think this, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a James Baldwin documentary that I think everybody could benefit by, by seeing from seeing. When did you see it? I saw it for the first time, I think, two years ago. James Baldwin is a person who said a lot in his time that was really impactful, but a lot of where he was aiming and observing from will bear fruit forever and ever and ever and ever. Right. Yeah. That's great. Thank you for that recommendation. What would you do to improve our public education system? Uh, teach um, critical thinking. Teach critical thinking. Encourage media literacy so people aren't lied to as easily as they are now. Were you lied to? Yes, aggressively, <laughs> yes. Um, how do you think that that will shift things? Why is I, I that just, so important? I think that a lot of how pop culture happens right now, and that's everything from entertainment to really important shit in politics, is 
uh, people manipulating facts for uh, to to engender particular emotional reactions for people that they take advantage of. And I think that if if we raise a generation of people who are taught or given the tools of critical thinking earlier, that it just makes that a lot harder to do. Yes, and also enforcing those tools from a young age yep. can absolutely make that change. I believe in that. Um, which member of the Wu-Tang Clan would make the best pro wrestler? Definitely Method, man. He's the tallest. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Noel, for your question. Mm -hmm. She's this invisible person. And lastly, in your opinion, what is the hardest part of being an indie rapper as opposed to, say an indie rock band or folk artist? Well, I think I probably have it easier because they sound like they have to split their money with other people. <laughs> you keeping it all for yourself? Okay. Well, I'd give Dave a little. Same. Hi, Dave. <laughs> but do you find yourself in those positions, in that position where you're feeling like, wow, I really do, I'm doing what is authentic to me, I'm, you know, I'm making the kind of music I want to make. I'm, you know, making, doing, involved in projects that are fulfilling you as opposed to you going down another route. I feel like that's the benefit of being independent is that you don't have to answer to a bunch of people. Like, you know, when you are assigned to a major label, more often than not, um, you know, these people have these like quarterly earnings expectations that if you're, so if your album doesn't hit this mark, like people in the office are fucking losing their jobs and shit. Like it's just, it's a lot of pressure for an artist. And, and in that position, you understand why they're not able to make the, all of the creative choices that they want to make because it's not just about them. I want it to be about me. <laughs> so that's why I'm more comfortable being independent. You know, I, I don't want to have... I don't want to have to explain why my song about dishes, I don't want to have to convince people that it's important to anybody other than mm. me, you know, and the people yeah. who ride with me on that, cool, and then some people who don't want to ride with that, and that's cool too. How does um, independence and freedom then, what, how do those th two things coincide for you? Oh, um, I mean, like independence business-wise? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I just think, you know, literally it means, the independence means that I have the, the creative freedom to make every choice that I want to make. Do you feel like you have enough resources to do that as never, well? Never, ever, never, what ever, but need? that's the trade-off. Money, need? I need We're lots of money. I need barrels <laughs> and barrels of cash. Great. That's what I need. On that note, <laughs> I'm going to take out the soundbite of you saying I need barrels of Please cash. Please do, it's the truth. That is all I think I have to ask. Okay. But thank you. I don't know thank why you. I paused. Thank you so much. Thanks for having you me. You have been fun. a very, very wonderful guest. Number 80. Put and it in the books. <laughs> it's in. It's in. And um, so, yeah, that's unfortunately the end of tonight. But a very heartfelt thank you, obviously, to Open Mic Eagle. Thank you, guys. And as well as StubHub team for hosting us. And giving us delicious food. And also to the Consequence of Sound team that are here. And obviously to you all for sitting through this. Thank you so much. It's been a treat. Thank you. This Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kibble and we'd like to thank Billy Yost and The Kickback for our theme song, Rube, and buy their music at thekickbackband.com. 
Daniel Brater and Dean Berger for the additional sound design, and the Consequence Podcast Network, where you'll find a bunch of other amazing shows. listened this far why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on apple podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too for information on new episodes be sure to follow us on facebook twitter or instagram at tmbtgpod and generally just irritate everyone you know about the show thanks again and i miss you already During the holiday season, everyone's trying to get you to buy more stuff. Instead, head to StubHub so you can celebrate the season at a game or show. Take the whole family to the ballet, bang on the glass at a hockey game, or sing along with your favorite artist at a concert. Hey, we definitely count that as caroling. StubHub has the best selection of seats for all the holiday events you want to experience with your loved ones. And every ticket is 100% guaranteed. Get to StubHub.com or their user-friendly app today. Stub Hub, S-T-U-B-H-U-B, be there. Consequence Podcast Network.